Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Oh, don't ask me what's going to happen in Georgia. I have absolutely no idea. They're voting, though. They are out there in force, and they are voting, and it's only a matter of time. Seconds away before we hear start hearing about how voting machines weren't working in Republican districts, voting machines weren't allowed in Democratic districts, we're going to hear about all of it. By the time this day is done, there are going to be accusations here, there, and all the places. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. You've got Kelly Leffler against Raphael Warnock. You have David Perdue against John Ossoff. I, I put forth to you, as clearly as I can, uh, that... John Ossoff is a know-nothing who has never done anything. He has no skill set. He has no history. He has not spent his entire life fighting for anything. He doesn't have an entire life. I love when Barack Obama said he spent his whole life fighting for you. No, he, he hasn't. This is a guy who seems to, in my view, come from a, 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 a place of, of privilege, as they like to say in the business. Who once tweeted out that's really important to support uh, the, the latest communist China government? It was back in 2012. Anybody who's willing to throw their support uh, by, behind uh, communists is not somebody that I elect. Rational people don't elect. Of course not. Or at least they shouldn't. He ran for that congressional seat. And everyone's like, oh, John Ossoff, he's the future. Who is he? He's not a good speaker. What are you crazy? No, he's That's a good what they speaker. said about Beto O'Rourke, producer Ari. They are Stop good. it. Stop it. They told me that Beto O'Rourke was the second coming of the Lord. Beto O'Rourke in on his skateboard. Look how hip he is. Beto O'Rourke is a putz. Both things and be true. everybody knows it. The media creates candidates and decide this is the anointed one. He has no skill set. What does that matter? We just say he's important. We call the other guy a racist, and that's good enough. And then you've got Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is a guy who should be nowhere near power. Raphael Warnock is a dangerous cat. You're talking uh, about somebody. Let's 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 see if we can uh, get uh, this right here. This was a little bit of Project Veritas uh, infiltrating the Warnock campaign, as you know they have been known to do. And this is them talking about defund the police. <laughs> Avoids using defunding the police because he knows that the Republicans are going to try to grab onto the attack. Of course, right? Of course. But in reality, his his whole platform with police reform is along the lines of the same people who are saying. Gotcha. They know they're lying. 
They admit to you they're lying. The question is, did Georgians know that they were being lied to? Raphael Warnock, who um, can't stop uh, the, the racial screeds, the greatest one was the one that he had um, about the UK and racism. That Brexit, this was a, a sermon he gave in 2018, that Brexit, we're talking about the UK leaving the European Union as they should because their sovereignty matters to them. Raphael Warnock said it was an example of, anthro- let me say it right, ethno, thank you, ethnocentrism and hate. That's what he said. That is what the man believes. Hate has gone viral. Nativism and ethnocentrism and bigotry in high places on both sides of the Atlantic. It's hate to say we want to be our own nation and we don't want to be ruled by the Europeans, according to Raphael Warnock. Now ask yourself a foreign policy question. (laughs) What foreign policy do you have with Raphael Warnock in the Senate regarding who rules us? The entirety of of the UK conversation is whether or not they should have to deal with the whims of of the European Union, and the people said, nah, nah, we're not interested in that. If, 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 it's, if it's all the same to you, we don't want that in our lives. Thank you, thank you very much, greatly appreciated, okay. And of course, they're right. 150%, they're right. And they were right to leave. They were right to get out. They were right to say goodbye. But who would call it nativism and hate? Well, he doesn't believe that you should actually love your own country. That's a question that he will have to answer. The question is, how does this affect and how did any of this affect the race in Georgia? And the answer is, I don't know. Problem is, nobody knows. There was, I, I don't do polls anymore. I'm out. I have no idea what to believe and not believe on a poll. I go by what's going on on the ground. And the people that I know will not tell you that there's a specific feel one way or another. Could this thing get split? Yes. Does that leave Republicans in charge? Absolutely it does. I'm happy about that because that means gridlock and gridlock is a good thing. The markets love gridlock. Producer Ari is all excited about gridlock. Always. The less that can get done, uh, the more uh, that means uh, that you have stability, and stability is your friend very often. So did anything that took place in um, in the election or, or, or over the course of the past couple of days, we're talking about... Um, what we're seeing uh, in, in, in regards to the challenges that are happening on Wednesday, uh, what we're seeing to this back and forth with Brad Raffensperger, the uh, Secretary of State in Georgia, and that recorded phone call. Did any of that have any play in this election? That's one of the big questions.
Kelly Leffler has said she will ob- she will uh, object to some of the electors. Her plan is is to do that. She's going to object to some of them. Okay. Do you think that that plays in? Do you think that plays a part in whether or not people are going to vote for her or not vote for her? Well, I would say saying so before the election means that, well, without question, she thinks that it plays. And she thinks that it plays in a way to help her. Otherwise, she would have stayed silent on the subject. Right? She wouldn't have said a word. She would have just simply let the, that subject be like, you know what, we have to focus on this election and we need uh, to get uh, to victory. That's what we need to do here. That's what we need to have happen. We need to get to victory and when that happens, then we will be all right. But she didn't do that. She didn't do that at all. She came out and said it. Then you have Brad Raffensperger Right, saying that I didn't know the phone call was going to be leaked. He had this phone call with President Trump. The phone call gets leaked. He, he didn't know. We knew he didn't know. Oh, it turns out he, he actually did know. But he liked to play surprised. He's part of a phone call. The phone call gets leaked. And all he can say is... I didn't know it was being recorded. Uh, I just was at my home uh, with my wife, and I had it on speakerphone, but I didn't record anything at my house. Uh, but uh, I was making notes. Uh, but also then on Sunday morning, he put out a Twitter. I thought we had a private conversation, just no, not left unsaid. It was private, but I saw it was man-to-man just having a conversation. And, uh, you know, and so with the President of the United States. But then he goes out on Twitter the next morning and says stuff that's not true. First of all, he, he releases that we did have a conversation, so... I didn't see what the issue was, and obviously we did have a conversation. The whole world knows. Uh, he's got 80 million Twitter followers. But then he also says right, stuff so- By the way, he Twittered? Is that what we're doing now? We're saying the president Twittered? There's a real conversation as to whether or not Brad Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger did that on purpose to try and hurt David Perdue. There's a fight there. There's some real ugly politics in Georgia going on right now on all sides. The question is, did it affect the voter? And I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. I'm going to be as surprised as you are. I'll be shocked if Georgia, well, it's not shocked, saddened if Georgia goes with Warnock and Ossoff. Two radical guys. Brexit is ethnocentrism and hate, and the other guy supports the Communist Chinese Party? That's pretty radical. Those people on the political right don't think you should have abortions, <laughs> right? There's a difference in the two thoughts. We'll see what happens. We're going to be following it throughout uh, the show. Meanwhile, in D.C., they're calling out the National Guard. I'll tell you why. I'm Tony Katz. So, you know, we've talked about the, the rioting that took place in Portland and, and Seattle. Riots took place in other parts uh, of the country. Riots took place in my uh, beloved Indianapolis. We saw these things happen. But only recently are we hearing anybody do anything about it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. 
This is the mayor of Portland finally figuring out that maybe you got to do something about Antifa. My good faith efforts at de-escalation have been met with ongoing violence and even scorn from radical Antifa and anarchists. In response, it will be necessary to use additional tools and to push the limits of the tools we already have to bring the criminal destruction and violence to an end. Lawlessness and anarchy come at great expense and with great risk to the future of our community. It's time to push back harder against those who are set on destroying our community. Well, what do you know about that? Finally, he's figured out you might want to do something about the people who are killing you. And yes, we should be clear, Antifa kills. Now, I have no quarter on this subject. Antifa is violence. Antifa is and always will be violence. They are not the anti-fascists. They are the fascists. That's what they are. They want to burn it all down. And they should be met with force. Who are they? We're going to tell you where you can drive and can't drive, where you can walk and can't walk. We're going to threaten you. We're going to intimidate you. We're going to attack you if we don't like, we, we make the assumption we don't like what you look like. Very often you, you've heard me say, why would we talk about, are, are we heading towards a civil war? We're in one. We allow these people to act willy-nilly with no pushback whatsoever. The citizenry should stand up and fight back. When you read the line, the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. Why does everybody forget the and patriots part? Now, you can take that literal, you can take that figurative. I take that as a conversation. You got to get in the game. You can't let these people just decide your life for you. Liberty needs to be fought for, right? It's, it's, it's Passover, it's, it's the Haggadah. It's the story of the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. Freedom isn't free, and every generation it must be one anew. Then you get to Thomas Jefferson. The tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. I'm sorry. Did nobody else get the connection? Am I the only person who went to Sunday school? Yes, yes. I'm Jewish, and I went to Sunday school. We did that. It was different than the way you did it, but it was still there. Of course you have to fight back against Antifa. It's Antifa that showed up to the house of Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, one of the people who is proactively saying he is going to engage the challenges of the election, which a lot of people are trying to say, you know, they're uh, challenges of the electors, I should say. Oh, the Republicans are making a huge mistake and they're going to regret this. No, they're not. That's a complete misread from people who still think that there is a uh, traditional Republican way of doing things. There isn't. They're not going, they will regret it if they don't. That's why they're doing it. Take a look at what's happening. Oh, and by the way, take a look at some of the reality out there. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't push back on certain things. If you want to be Lynn Wood, the, the lawyer, and say that the governor of Georgia was involved in some kind of bribery scandal, you better damn well prove that. 
Otherwise, you're out of your head. By the way, you're going to now tell me how Mike Pence is involved with Jeffrey Epstein involved in this. Lord knows what Linwood has gone so far off the reservation that Nicholas Sandman, the kid who Linwood represented from Covington Catholic High School against CNN and Washington Post and won all the money for, that was Linwood. That's his name. That's the lawyer. He's gone so off the deep end that even Nick Sandman is like, okay, what the hell? No, seriously, that was the tweet. But Josh Hawley showed photos of a group called Shutdown DC banging on his door at his home in in DC while he was in Missouri. That's where he represents. His wife is there, his newborn daughter, they're alone inside. They're banging on the door, threatening him. That's Antifa. That's Antifa. That's who they are. They weren't acting in some sweet, loving way or, or really just trying to get their point across. That's not who they are. Which brings us to D.C. tomorrow because Trump supporters are coming out to have themselves a rally. Right? That's what's happening. They're going to have this big rally in D.C. And so the mayor, Mayor Bowser, has called out the D.C. National Guard. When Antifa is destroying property, when Antifa is attacking people, when they're leaving the White House, that's what happened to Dan Bongino and, a ho- and his wife and a host of others. She does nothing. The police barely do anything. But when they come to support President Trump, well, now we need the National Guard. They're not discussing the fact that Antifa is violent. They're not discussing the fact that Antifa, if you take a look at Seattle and you take a look at the Chaz Chop and the Autonomous Zones, people died. That's Antifa. I mentioned the rioting in Indianapolis. Someone died in that from a football standout. Well, how do you think this goes? You're right. In Indianapolis, I can't specifically put it on Antifa. You're You're right. But it's the Trump protesters that get the National Guard. You see the problem. Standing up to that problem is a large part of what people are doing with this conversation about electors. Some people don't understand. Okay. They don't understand. But it is important, and I will explain why. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. You see, it's not you and your choices. It's where you live. That's why you're fat. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio Parlor, Tony Katz, the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Happy to talk to you. Um, I don't know why this list exists. It's from the street, street.com, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why I say it, right? These lists come out all the time, best places to live, to find a job, to find a date, to fall in love, to have kinky sex. They, they got a list for everything. I assume they have the last one, too. Uh, This is a list of the 30 fattest states in America. There are 50 states. Why we have the 30, I don't know. Um, Are are, are we we ready for this, uh, Producer Ari? Are are you ready? Uh, Do you want to start with number one or do you want to start with number 10? Uh, Let's go from 10 to 1. We'll go with 10 from 1. We we won't even do the, uh, the, the whole thing. Right, we won't do all thirty because yeah, that's just feels gratuitous. Up. 
<laughs> is, is that what it feels? <laughs> Overindulgent. Okay. Number 10 on this list, or, or number 10 on this list, yeah, is, is Missouri. Missouri is, is the number one for highest percentage of overweight children. Now, again, if we're talking about some government list, I'm not paying any attention. But do they break it down into other categories? I'll tell you what I mean in, in, a, in a second, right? Number nine on, on this list is Oklahoma City. That's not a state. Well, that's true. I, I saw a sign that says Oklahoma City. You're right. It's Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> Number two for the percentage of adults who eat less than one serving of fruits and vegetables a day. See, that's not right. That's not an answer. You're, you're, you're telling me that they're fat. You're not ask, answering the question, what about other health issues? There are plenty of people who eat fruits and vegetables all day, all night, all the time, not in good health. That's not the answer. And by the way, your body wasn't meant to eat nothing but apples and oranges and broccoli. It's not what it's there for. Don't tell me you need fruit every day. Go through our history. How many of the hunter-gatherers had the time or lived in an area where fruit was prevalent? Alabama is number eight. Louisiana is number seven. South Carolina is number six. Number five is Tennessee. Ranks in the top five for a percentage of adults with type 2 diabetes, right? Just, just so you know. Number four is Kentucky. Arkansas is number three. Mississippi, number two. Number one is West Virginia. Huh. Not so, my guess. So the, the generalized theory is that these are often poorer states, and they, you would think that it was maybe a, a weather conversation. That's not always it. And there's also cultural conversations. So, for example, these states tend to be more to the political right. Mm, see, all, those, all them fat hillbilly rednecks. Well, okay, sure, if that's the way you want to say it. But we've seen what you look like in Massachusetts. Have you ever walked into a health food store? These, the, the, the people who are walking the aisles of the health food store are simply the, the, the unhealthiest looking people I've ever seen. Gaunt, just gray and, and oh, but they've been running. Oh, so much running they do. There are indeed cultural things at play. And I don't know why we tend to not look at those things and say to people, your culture is the problem. My people, right? In my family, this is absolutely a true story. We wake up, let, let's say the whole family's together for the holidays. We're all, all at my parents' place uh, down in the Atlanta area. We wake up. There, 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 there's breakfast. Breakfast lasts for four and a half hours. There's, there's bagels, there's lox, there's some egg salad, there's some tuna fish, the, the, right? The, the, the whole spread, and then you eat. And then 40 minutes later, you have a little something, then 20 minutes later, you grab a bite, then a half an hour later, you get a little something else. That goes on till 11.15, and then we say, whew, oh, that was great. Oh, I could eat like, I, I can't eat like this all the time, but I love it. What's for lunch? And then we plan lunch if it wasn't planned the night before. Lunch is spent figuring out what we're going to do for dinner. 
This is cultural. Anybody who is Jewish or knows someone who's Jewish in the main understands exactly what I've just said. <laughs> when my wife and I got married, we spent seven seconds figuring out the bar and seven months figuring out the food, and we still didn't get it right. I, to this day, two things I will say about my wedding. You know what? Three things. First, I married the perfect woman. I really and truly did. Spectacular woman. Number two, never should have had a wedding at all. We should have spent a month in Italy. What damn fools we were. We were young and dumb. And number three, um, I, I got the food wrong. There was, there was no sushi. We happened to have one. What are those rehearsal dinner kind of things? You got we it. Had, we had a rehearsal dinner where people we brought in people who were out of town. Well, everybody was from out of town. We had a rehearsal dinner with sixty-five people. That could have been the wedding. We could have just said, "You wanna? Uh huh. We're done, people. Don't even bother tomorrow. Sleep in." Would have been a piece of cake. I don't know what we were thinking. You got to do the whole thing. And we didn't do the Saturday night thing. We couldn't afford it. We got married a Sunday, like midday kind of thing. We couldn't afford the Saturday night. And we had the DJ, not the band. We couldn't afford the band. We paid for it ourselves. We couldn't have afforded the thing. Amongst my people, oh, hmm, Tony's not an earner. But culturally, don't you think we understand that we're focused on something that maybe others aren't focused on? And maybe culturally that can have a bad effect? But what if we know this and we still say, okay. The problem with these lists is that we then look at the states and we look at uh, uh, the, 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 the politics and we say, hmm, what are like? We don't ever take a look at what types of things happen culturally and the personal decisions that get made. The very concept of personal responsibility and how they have an effect. That's what makes this list so completely messed up. It doesn't do enough. But in that same vein, it turns out that organic meat has approximately the same greenhouse gas impact as regular meat. You know, the you gotta get the you got to get the things that are organic. The animals have to be fed organic. That, that way, everything is better. No, not really. Is organic beef better? Uh, listen, uh, I, I don't know yet if I've really tasted a difference between Wagyu and, you know, is there, is there even organic Wagyu? Wait a second. Is there organic Wagyu? I don't even know how there could be. Right? I can show you that there's a difference between uh, Wagyu and some cut I get at the local supermarket. That much is, is, is real. Some good massage beef, hot diggity. But organic and non-organic, by the way, I've not found that, you know, that... Yeah, I guess they do have organic Wagyu beef, but I would assume... I don't know if that's just the way that Wagyu is done anyway. It right is. in terms of of how the cow is fed, it's like Kobe beef. You don't have it's all organic, right? That's what I'm asking. So why would anybody call it organic wagyu or grass fed wagyu? I, I think right. It's, What's the difference between those two things? Nothing. I think it's one just sounds fancier. But then it's all a scam, and that's the whole point. The whole organic, non organic thing. It's what makes you feel good. Yeah, no, right? seriously, that's what it is. My my uh, my wife is 
you know, she likes organic chicken breast because she feels bad if she, you know, she's eating a chicken breast that was in a cage with 50 other ones. But that's not what organic is. I, that would be free range. Listen, I just I just let her eat the chicken. I'm not okay. going to. It's not worth it. Uh, so you've been married for six months. How's it going so far? Oh, it's fine. She has, I mean, she's not listening to the show right now. She has no idea. <laughs> oh, she's totally listening. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. All right. We have the greatest listeners in the world. Tiffany, I appreciate you. And I, this part I had right. The question was, was Wagyu beef, could it be organic or non-organic? So Wagyu is one of the major strains of cattle breeds imported from Japan for consumption. Although I, there, there are people, there, there's a conversation, an argument about American Wagyu, and there are people who indeed uh, uh, do it. Not the term for the way they are fed, which is why there could be organic and non-organic Wagyu. Okay, the question was, was all Wagyu considered organic in terms of the way it was fed? Right, I knew Wagyu was something completely different than the way it was fed. The question is, is there a specific way that it's fed? I appreciate uh, that answer. You can let me know what you think on Parlor at Tony Katz. Twitter, Tony Katz. I'll take a look at it. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. We're watching, of course, what's going on in Georgia. We have got the runoff election. We are in it right now. Um I'm not getting big reports of anything just yet. That doesn't mean that won't change. That doesn't mean that there won't be a large-scale change. Hey, we've got a problem over here. Hey, uh, these people didn't let me vote over there. We may hear those things. We hear them in elections. Why wouldn't we hear them? Why wouldn't we hear them today? Right? What would be somehow... It would, wouldn't it be amazing if there were no problems and no issues in today's election? Um, my guess is we're going to hear about problems and issues. This is, this is my guess. We're going to hear about problems and, and, uh, we're going to hear about people who weren't able, uh, to get, uh, to, to, to the polls on time, uh, or, 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 or there was a problem when they got to the polls and they weren't able to vote or they were left in line or, or somehow the scanning machine didn't work. We're going to hear all of those things. That's going to happen. What's the result going to be? I don't know. But the question before us is whether or not the Brad Raffensperger story is going to create a change in that election. Right? The Brad Raffensperger story is that President Trump calls Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, and says, I need 11,780 votes. One more vote than uh, he lost by, according to the results. But he's not actually asking him to find votes for him. That's, that's, that's not it. And there's a great write-up over at Red State by a guy named Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked crew. The president's call with the Georgia Secretary of State, a case study in the media duplicity that President Trump has battled from day one. And this we did discuss. We have impeachment based on a phone call with Ukraine. And there was absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that phone call. 
And when people said there was something with the there was something wrong with that phone call, um, it seemed very obvious that they were desperate. And sure enough, Adam Schiff and the crew were completely desperate to somehow get President Trump by any and all means necessary. Desperate as can be. That seems to be the case here. Now, again, it's not a phone call that I would have made. Really and truly not. Because it could be spun this way and I don't need the bother. President Trump doesn't worry about those things. And certainly the things that seem odd to other people sometimes seem very, very normal to me. Because maybe because I grew up around some of those kinds of people in terms of the way they talk and the affectation of the voice and, and everything else. But the best is you have people who have no life experience who can't believe that people who have life experience are, are having a conversation about life experience things. The president wasn't asking someone to create votes. So why would Carl Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein, right, Watergate, why would he call that, say that that phone call was far worse than Watergate? Well, that's very simple. Carl Bernstein is so desperate for attention that he will do anything. Carl Bernstein's entire career is saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Remember Watergate? Look at me, look at me. Don't look at Woodward. You look at me. That's Carl Bernstein. Congratulations on Watergate. I won't say no. Everything else you've done in your career doesn't exist. No one knows what it is. By the way, he said of the Russia probe, feels worse than Watergate. The tape of Trump admitting to downplaying COVID-19 is worse than Watergate. If Trump colluded with Russia, it's worse than Watergate. This is what he does. And when I see that, I come to realize that there ain't nothing there. And I pay it no mind. Did it, does it have, will it have an effect in Georgia? Uh, maybe. But it seems that this phone call that was, uh, Raffensperger knew it was happening. I don't even believe him. The release of this phone call hasn't affected Trump. It's affecting Raffensperger because he's the guy who looks like a damn fool. He looks the fool for releasing this call. And I put forth to you, and I'll, I'll, we're in the election. We're in it right now. We'll get results soon enough. I'm saying it's going to have no effect on how people voted. None. And that leads us to part two. I was on uh, Newsmax the other day. I'm actually going to be on Newsmax today, uh, a, a little bit later uh, today, so be sure to, to listen for that. Uh, I, I was asked if there's infighting in the Republican Party, and I said, no, there's, according to who you talk to, there's always infighting. You can't get five conservatives to figure out or where to agree on going for lunch. Infighting, that's standard. But I didn't get into the conversation of, well, there's leftists infighting all day, all night, all the time. The progressives are fighting with the Democrats constantly for the power position in the party, which, by the way, is the progressives. Right? So, so there's, there's constantly fighting. 
But how bad is it? And does it matter? And is it actually happening or is it just talk for us? And I will share that along with, holy cow, there's a reason you should move out of New York. Just don't let those people come here. The Midwest is out. I'll tell you why in just a bit. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today.